You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Chelsea. And hey, it's Sarah. And um, I know we're a couple weeks into fall season already, or spooky season, being a couple weeks into September. But to kind of start us off on some fallish fun this year, I wanted to kind of highlight a different kind of mystery in PA today. So just as part of what we like to do for fun throughout the fall season, if some of you out there listening were not listening last fall, we like to do just kind of some of the weird, unexplained or paranormal or just kind of funky things that are in the state because we like creepy things. So this is just an example of that. What we're looking at today is a creature that may or may not roam the woods of northeastern PA in the hemlock forests. And in a very bad office joke, I'll say it's not Michael Scott. But today we're going to talk about the mythical creature, the squonk. I've honestly never even heard of it until (laughs) you started talking about it. It has a really funky name, and I think that's my favorite part about it. It's quite a creature, so strap in. It's a fun ride. First of all, just whatever comes to your mind when you hear the word squonk is probably at least partially correct for how this thing is described. It feels like a spare parts build of a cryptid, just kind of like, you know, the platypus is the spare parts mammal of earth and i feel like that's how the squonk is in the cryptid world because it's got a little bit of everything in its earliest known description which came from 1910 the creature is said to have quote misfitting skin which is covered with warts and moles it is always unhappy hunters who are good at tracking are able to follow a squonk by its tear-stained trail for the animal weeps constantly When cornered and escape seems impossible, or when surprised and frightened, it may even dissolve itself in tears. So that's this creature. (laughs) Well, that's quite a description. Right. So misfitting skin, just like extra baggy skin, basically, covered with warts and moles. It's always crying. And when it is frightened or it's like cornered, it'll just cry itself into a puddle of tears. And bubbles. But, like, how big? Is there, like, a description of, like, how big? So, eventually, a uh, a description comes out that it's actually, like, a pig, like a wild boar. Oh. And if you look at images of it, well, there's no images, but, like, drawings of it, sketches of it, it seems about, like, a wild boar size, like... You know, a a bigger animal, but not, you know, a bear. Huh. So, very interesting. And that first description there came from a book that was published in 1910 called Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods. And that was written by William T. Cox. There's a couple different books we'll, we'll quote as I go through here, but that was the first description that existed. So question, you did say that 1910 was when it was first like mentioned, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. since it was written in 1910, it had been discovered before 1910. As far as we know, it probably did, but that was the first like published writing of okay. anything. 
And there's really not a lot of information about this thing. So for all we know, one person just randomly made it up and there's just enough people that believe it that it grows on the internet. Well, next question. What's the Lumberwoods? Mm -hmm. Is that like a wooded area up in, you said, I believe, the northeast? Of PA? Yeah, I'm not sure for that book specifically if it means only in PA or if it's just like lumber woods, like okay. wooded areas. Okay. I think it just means wooded areas. Okay. But I didn't I didn't specifically look deeper into that book to see if it was all PA. Um but yeah, like that hemlock area, just woods that you make lumber out of. So through the years, the squonk has actually grown to get its own scientific name, like nomenclature classification. And it is Lacrima corpens dissolvens, which literally means dissolving teardrops. There was another source that said instead of Lacrima corpens, it was Lacrima corpus, which the difference would be dissolving tear body instead of dissolving teardrops. So either way, it's the same basic meaning there, um, whichever of those two is correct. I guess I went with like quite literal. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And part of that comes from the fact that the creature itself is so ugly, it it will cry itself to a puddle of, you know, a bubbling puddle if it sees its own reflection. Huh. So it actually avoids bodies of water, especially if there's a full moon. And if there is a full moon, they'll avoid traveling altogether unless they absolutely have to. Like they'll basically hibernate during this time. I'm just, it confuses me. It avoids bodies of water, but has so much secretion of its own. I don't know. That seems very, I don't know, wrong. I don't know. Just because if it's near a body of water, it's going to be able to see a reflection. And it is so ugly that if it sees itself, it will cry itself to death. Hmm. Interesting. This is a a crazy, I don't know who thought this up, but <laughs> it it's fascinating to me. I think it's funny. Now, like I said earlier, physically, the creature is described as being a wild pig or a wild boar, um, but it's covered in warts and has cauliflower ears that are covered in wax and hair, which is just a beautiful picture in my mind. So shout out to Cryptid Wiki for that vivid description. The squonk also has yellow tusks and is always crying and its misery and sorrow are contagious. So apparently if you're nearby, you're just going to burst out in tears as well. Hopefully you're not dissolving yourself. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Could it just be like, like a pig or boar that's just diseased? Oh, it could be. I mean, just like the warts and like the cauliflower ears um, and like the crying thing. I mean, that could potentially just be like an in, like an infect. I mean, maybe not into a bubble, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the uh, dissolving itself into a puddle part, but um, the visual that kind of started the whole story could have absolutely just been a legitimate wild boar. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that. Now, the book I quoted earlier was that book from 1910 uh, that was published. This one was called Fearsome Critters. So instead of Fearsome Creatures of the Timberwoods, the Lumberwoods, now we just have Fearsome Critters. Uh, And this was written by Henry H. Tryon. And the sound of the squonk's cry, speaking of maybe that idea of it just kind of being a pig, is a low note of pleading, somewhat resembling the call of the cross-feathered snee. So 
basically it's like a low grumble is what I'm understanding. But this whole even knowledge of the squonk existing came to me from the podcast that Grace and I talk about all the time, and that's why we drink. And M covered this on an episode a couple years ago, so I'm totally going to steal some of their insight here. But M found a reference to the cross-feathered snee in a book called Lenwood's Lexicon of Lumberwood's Lore. Lumberwood's Lore. And so given that information, I was able to look up the description of the cross-feathered snee just to try to you know, kind of put into perspective what the squonk could sound like. And the, so this book is written entirely in alliteration. So this is very interesting to listen to. But then at the end of it, I kind of have what I think it means. And then there was a little bit that M from, and that's why we drink also added and I'll kind of add their thoughts on that as well. So this is how it actually reads in the book. And this is fantastic. I love this. I wish I had the thought to do anything like this. So uh, the cross feathered snee, this frost bitten feathered fowl flutters and flourishes on fashionably frigid and frozen furrows for it is inclined to the inclement and inhospitable iciness in its immensity. The nondescript nests in natural nooks narrowing the nadir of the negatives and is native to the northwest of nowhere and, nearly as is known, is never noticed by nobody. Naturally, the nudnik is in need of a knoll nearly as non-symmetrical as knowable. After all, this asymmetric avian animal always is aware of any level land lying lengthways in a linear layout. Unfortunately, unless it is unbalanced underneath, it is unable to be upright as, unluckily, its unequal extremities eventually end it edgewise. Effectively, the entity is exceedingly exhausted and entirely exposed in this event. Basically. It's a snowbird with uneven legs. I don't know how you read that. I was tripping myself up trying to read it. (laughs) So it talks about it being a frostbitten feathered fowl. So it's a cold bird. And then it talks about it's an asymmetric avian animal and it is exhausted because of its unequal extremities. So... I mean, if it's that damn exhausted, how is it still alive? How is it in prey for something? Right. And that's, it's just another cryptid. So, you know, who knows that that even exists? Because literally the only reference I can find to it, and I heard M say the same thing on, and that's why we drank, was this one paragraph from this book. But it was fun to read. So I, I felt like sharing it. However, given all of that, that doesn't help us understand what it sounds like. So whatever you think a bird, a snowbird with uneven legs would sound like, but it's also described as being a low note. So a low bird squawk, which kind of makes me think it could be a wild boar. Like that could be a way someone would describe like the grunting of a wild boar. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, I thought that explanation was fun. So it wasn't at all really helpful to finding out about the squonk, but it was at least entertaining. So the history of the squonk itself says that they came from desert areas and areas of high plains, but their environment started changing, so they had to adapt. The desert started to change to swamps and then lakes, so the squonk had to adapt and take to water. And this is how they evolved to have webbing on their left feet. 
only their left feet, not their right feet. So if they do get into water and start swimming, because they only have webs on their left feet, they just swim in a circle. Hmm. So I guess they just don't go in water. And I don't know if there's some connection between them and the cross-feathered snee, both having like something different with their legs. Oh, I guess right? that's like true. One has, you know... But yeah, so it swims in circles. Now, so there's a couple different theories about how they got to Pennsylvania. Some theories say that they were in the desert, like in the Western United States, and that it turned more to like the swampy area. And so they relocated to Pennsylvania. Some people theorize that at some point Pennsylvania was a desert, but based on fossils that have been studied in PA, there is no proof that anything like this ever existed or that the state was ever desert. So if it truly was desert and then migrated, it came from outside of Pennsylvania. So the thought is that wherever they were was starting to get struck by the timber industry. So they started just moving and then wound up in Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania has so much protected tree land, game land and all of that. So this was a safe area for them. All of that, all of those bits and pieces there of that theory come from that 1939 book, Fearsome Critters, that I mentioned earlier. So basically from that, all we know is that there's no proof that they ever have existed in PA, but there's also no proof that they haven't. So take that as you will. Now, if you are seeking out a squonk and you want to go squonking, you know, I know some people <laughs> like to go squatching, so... If you want to go squatching and then go squonking or, you know, whatever. Here is some advice from the first documented account of the squonk. Um, this is from that 1910 book that I mentioned earlier. Hunters who are good at tracking are able to follow a squonk by its tear-stained trail for the animal weeps constantly. When cornered and escape seems impossible or when surprised and frightened, it may even dissolve itself in tears. So that's the part that I had mentioned earlier. And it continues to go on to say, Squonk hunters are most successful on frosty, moonlit nights when tears are shed slowly and the animal dislikes moving about. It may then be heard weeping under the boughs of dark hemlock trees. So basically their entire existence is just laying under trees and crying because they hate themselves <laughs> and only coming out if there's no moonlight. Sounds like, like an emo child or something. I mean... I was just going to say like me on a Thursday, but <laughs> same difference, you know. No, there there is one story of a man, J.P. Wentling, who witnessed a squonk in the Mont Alto area. But before he could photograph it, it cried itself into a puddle of tears and bubbles. Um, in fact, the story goes that he found the squonk, he captured it, put it in a bag and was carrying the bag on his back. So I guess it couldn't be too big. No. I mean, if he could just, you know, pick it up and carry it on his back, but he felt the bag suddenly get much lighter. And then he, you know, like pulled the bag off his shoulder. And when he looked in it, all he saw were tears and bubbles. Hmm. I'm just really enjoying this image of tears bubbling. I don't know why that's just such an interesting image to me. But like, I want to know with this whole weeping themselves into a puddle thing. I wonder if they're like just dead then. Or if they just transform back, like, is it like playing possum? You know, the possum, you know, pretends it's dead. And then as soon as the enemy goes away, just whoop, walks up and, you know, walks away. 
I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of like any other animals that like are able to transform as a defense mechanism, but not. I don't know any that change that much. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I like I know there's like spiders and bugs are kind of the first examples that come to mind that can, you know, flatten their bodies to wrap around a tree or, you know, have the different kind of camouflaging in that sense. But I don't know that turning into a liquid yeah, and then re-solidifying like is physically possible. Two different phases. Right, right. Almost three because like, I guess like bubbles are more, kind of more like a gas, right? That's true. I don't know. It's suspicious. It's suspicious. It is. But if playing squonk is a thing where you can just kind of avoid people or life or situations you don't want to deal with and turn into liquid and then re-solidify later, I want that to be my superpower because <laughs> I would love that ability. I'm also definitely not the only one feeling that way. Uh, scrolling different like Reddit the Reddit feeds, um, wiki uh, the cryptid wiki pages, um, even YouTube videos and scrolling on comments. So many people are just throwing out like, oh, well, I guess they need to look for me because I'm pretty sure I am the squonk. Like uh, so many people just jumping on and the self-deprecating humor that I love just coming to life in the comments. So that's really all we know about the creature itself. But... It makes a lot of appearances in pop culture. Um, probably the biggest one is from Genesis. So in 1978, Genesis released a song called Squonk, and it details the story of PJ Wentling, the guy that um, went and is the only person to have allegedly caught a squonk. And I have the YouTube link in the document Chelsea, if you feel like listening to it later. I think I've heard the song before, actually. Probably. Like, it's it's a pretty popular song. I admittedly just don't know a lot of Genesis music, so I don't know whether it's pretty well-known within their fan base, but it's a well-written song, but just the subject matter of it had me absolutely cracking up. So... It is like a six and a half minute long song, but I'm just going to pull some of the lyrics out here. Um, so again, it's all about the squonk. Uh, all the king's horses and all the king's men could never put a smile on that face, which just feels harsh. Um, he's a sly one. He's a shy one. Wouldn't you be too? Scared to be left all on his own. Hasn't a, hasn't a friend to play with. The ugly duckling. The pressure on. The bubble will burst before our eyes. All the while, in perfect time, his tears are falling on the ground. But if you don't stand up, you don't stand a chance. And then it keeps going. And toward the end of the song, we hear a little bit more about the squonk after he was captured. Um, and it says, uh, walking home that night, the sack across my back, the sound of sobbing on my shoulder. When suddenly it stopped, I opened up the sack, all that I had. A pool of bubbles and tears, just a pool of tears. So there's a lot of great lines in that song. Um, but those two, I guess, verses just really got me. But it's a fun listen. I definitely recommend it. Um, we will have it linked in the sources on the blog post if you guys want to check it out. Or you can just Google it, Squonk by Genesis. If you just Google Squonk, it's the first thing that comes up. Um, the cryptid is not the first thing that comes up at least on my Google. Um, 
So there was also at one point a quintet from the Pittsburgh area that traveled around and went by the name Squonk Opera. Now, I thought, you know, like, well, this has to be related. It's a Pennsylvania thing. So I found a couple articles that kind of described what they do. And they're like a commute, a music collective that just does different types of shows. But a lot of their music is kind of the psychedelic, almost like trippy jazz sort of music, if that makes sense. And squonking is actually also a musical term, an unofficial musical term for that sound kind of between a squawk and a honk. And I'm pretty sure, especially a woodwind. Yes, I was going to say that for reeds. Yeah. Yeah, it did. The ones, one of the sources I looked at said brass and woodwind, really? um, like trumpet and stuff. And I think that's just the sound a trumpet makes. So I, I think whoever added that was a little confused because no, it's totally for I would not equate those two. Yeah, you can do it when you have a reed. Um, yeah, an instrument with a reed. Yeah. So um, it's most likely a reference to that. But since it was a Pennsylvania group, I was like, oh, squonk. And then, just kidding, it's the musical reference. But I did learn that that is a term. It's actually funny that you said that because I follow a band that is, I guess you could say the same kind of thing. It's like a jazz, psychedelic type band. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the kid as well, but I have friends that know him. And he's also from the Pittsburgh area. And he's really known for um, squonking, if you will. That's like what really like... um, he like uses as his like catch thing he is from pittsburgh he grew up in pa but i think he lives and mostly performs in new york but he's constantly back but it's interesting that you said i didn't even think about that that's cool yeah yeah and and like when i saw that because that was just a a definition in urban dictionary which there's a lot of weird definitions for squonk in urban dictionary um i'm not gonna read all of them but if you want to be entertained go ahead and look them up they're interesting they're not pg-13 but i didn't even think about like that noise but as soon as i read you know oh it's between a squawk and a honk i was like oh yeah i played the clarinet in middle school i made a lot of that noise and my band teacher would agree a hundred percent like i said urban dictionary has a lot of other definitions as well um we've got the instrument-based definition the self-loathing cryptid that we've you know been discussing although on urban dictionary it describes it as a bird so i don't know if it was confusing the squonk and the snee or what but it does mention the cryptid it just calls it a bird for whatever reason and then it also which I didn't know. And this is more just the linguist in me that loves the way words come to exist. But there's actually a type of like vaporizer for like nicotine juices that is a squat, a squonk mod. So I don't vape. So I don't fully understand all of it but my husband was describing it to me he doesn't use one but some of his buddies do so basically it's like a bottom fed e-cig so you can just push a lot of juice through so it's really flavorful and you use a smaller amount of juice so you can switch the flavors more often if you get like bored with flavors Uh so that seems to kind of be the two benefits to that 
I don't know. It doesn't seem to actually relate to the squonk, but it's just another use of the word in pop culture. So I thought it was interesting. More into our actual squonk. Um, there's also a reference to squonk tears in a 1976 Steely Dan song. Um, any major dude will tell you. And the line is, have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Well, look at mine. The people on the street have all seen better times. And then he doesn't really bring up the squonk again, but um, cool little shout out with the squonk crying there. There are also two books that I found mentioned. Um, I didn't personally read them. So I'm pulling these descriptions straight from the true or better site that we have linked in the sources, um, which, by the way, is just a really cool blog. I kind of got lost in it uh, once I started doing this research. He's got a lot of really interesting things. And he is a data linguist, which is just also fascinating to me. Anyway, so on the True or Better site, they described these books as saying, quote, a more cheerful version of the squonk appears in Julia Germain's 1989 young adult novel Squonk. Kevin Paul Saliba's 2014 novel, The Squonk and the Horned Beast, was conceived as a salute to the aforementioned Genesis song, but by the author's own admission, it developed into a story of a misfit creature trying to find its place in a world where it always felt awkwardly wedged in. A century ago, an author dashed off a few paragraphs on a sparsely described creature that sprang from his own mind. So it Seems like we've got some just kind of almost fan fiction <laughs> being written based off of this idea. Um, so I'm actually kind of curious to look at those books. Um, I just know in my life right now, I don't have time to try to read two books before covering it. So I'm um, <laughs> just going to keep those descriptions in there from True or Better. Um there is also actually a scientific classification of chemicals known as squonks. Um, they are chemicals that dissolve into themselves, which makes sense. Um, the only place I saw that was at the bottom of the Wikipedia article for squonks. Um, I wanted to try to find more information about it because I love chemistry, even not being a super sciencey person. Um, I just, I love chemistry, but I couldn't find anything else um, about any of the details. So, but I thought that was pretty cool. Two more things I found. Um, there's a piece of band music um, and it was, I think like middle school band level, something like that um, called Squonk Blues, which is actually pretty fun. There's obviously no lyrics because it's a, you know, like band piece, Um but you can definitely feel it's a bluesy waltz. And between the time signature and just the way that, you know, they wrote it, it's just fun. But you can kind of feel the different emotions that they were trying to portray in the music. It was really fun to listen to. I have it linked. Um, it's the Hal Leonard article, um, not article, link. It just brings up like the sheet music and a YouTube video of it. You can listen to it if anyone else cares about that sort of like scored music. But it was created to be an example of what the squonks and other creatures would dance to on the nights of a new moon because they could freely dance knowing that there would not be a reflection from the moon because obviously a new moon is absence of the moon so they would party on those nights and you know this song was written to be what they thought one of these party songs would sound like 
Um, so I thought that was kind of cool that someone thought of that and then wrote out music for it. It's not a very long piece, but it's cool to listen to. Um, and then the last thing I found, which I just thought was awesome, is a trading card version of the Squonk made up to be like it very much modeled like a Pokemon card, um, Yu-Gi-Oh card, those sorts of things where it had like the powers and the health and and all of that sort of stuff on it um its attack is drowning sorrow so it literally just depresses when it goes to battle and the little like note at the bottom of the card says uh be very careful when forming a contract with a squonk making any sort of eye contact will result in it exploding into a puddle of tears so it's not just crying itself to a puddle of tears now it's actually exploding so that's fun i guess um and it's also listed as being 36.2 kilograms and 1.2 meters, which is just shy of 80 pounds and a little under four feet tall. Huh. But I, well, I guess that wouldn't be tall. It would be long. I don't be know. It's length. I mean, throwing 80 pounds over your shoulder, that doesn't seem very easy unless he's this man that we talked about is quite ripped. Right. Well, and I mean, in a lot of the depictions, he is kind of pictured as this, you know, big, gruff super tall super strong manly man okay type but maybe he had a smaller one also <laughs> true i also don't know why a legend in pennsylvania was measured in kilograms and meters like <laughs> that's very not, true n- not even in like a oh i don't want to convert it like i have no issues with that i totally get that you know america is extra and we can't just do what everyone else does and make life easy but it's in pennsylvania <laughs> like why are we why are we using metric measurements that's a good question in yeah but whatever so i know there wasn't a whole lot of information so it wasn't a super long episode but that is the cryptid that we get to call our very own the squonk that is so hideous it cries itself into a pool of bubbling tears that's all we have for this episode of the keystone cold cases podcast please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims only to law enforcement if you have any tips This episode was researched and hosted by me, Sarah. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.